the gold eyes are staying put. We're going to discuss that and much more here on this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we're back again. Another episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. And we got some information to talk about today. Once again, news comes out as soon as we finish recording the show. But unlike uh, two weeks ago, I guess it is now, when we did a drop-in for the Air Hogs, I think we made the right decision in not doing it again for Winnipeg. Uh, that was just a lease deal that got done. Granted, there's been a lot of back and forth on that for a while. Uh, so it could have been worth it, but that episode ran long enough. There was no need to cut in there and toss even more onto the pile there. Uh, but there is some, we got other stuff in addition to that as well. But I guess, uh, I guess we could just kind of jump right into, uh, this week's show with Winnipeg. I think it's, it, it's definitely good news to hear that they're staying in Winnipeg, that the gold eyes are staying in Winnipeg. It seems like the, their owner, Sam Katz was definitely really relieved and i think that's probably the right well he said he was relieved and i think that's the right word to use but it, it seems like at, at least at least in the article i'm seeing it, it was it was really interesting to hear that that cats almost didn't really seem that happy about it he was kind of like oh i just you know it, it almost seemed like he thought he lost like he was like accepting defeat Oh, and, and I always thought that was in, I thought that was really interesting because that's not something I expected when this eventually would eventually got done. Oh yeah, no, I mean he definitely was not uh, thrilled about the whole uh, lease situation as it was. I mean he called it in the article quote the worst deal for a lease for any team in North America. <laughs> so I mean he even said exactly. Don't say I'm happy that about this deal. And then it's the worst one in North America came along. I I kind of get what he's saying because he said look it wasn't going to get done unless we both both sides compromised so obviously what this lease is is a lot more than paying uh one dollar a year and i suppose we should list off how this deal is structured in and we'll do that in just a second once i finish my point but there's going to be a significant jump up in how much you're paying and obviously that's not great uh, he's not happy about having to pay the maintenance on the field. He's not happy about having to pay uh, property taxes and other taxes uh, in regards to the property, uh, particularly a property he doesn't own. So I can understand not being thrilled about that. At the same time, though, it's not like it's a bad deal. Like that's that's no. the thing. It's not it's not a great deal. I'll admit that much, but it's certainly not a terrible deal. So I guess with that said, I'll just kind of jump into listing off the deal. So this came out, I guess it would technically be Thursday night. Uh, didn't see it, didn't really see any uh, mention of it until about uh, Friday afternoon or Friday late morning. So like I said, it wasn't able to quite get into the show. Uh, but what happened was they got a 15-year lease passed. Uh, it was passed by a 12-4 to 4 vote. Important thing of note, uh, one of those four dissenting votes belonged to the mayor. Uh, three other councilmen or councilwomen, uh, but 12 of them did. So it was an overwhelming majority that passed that. Uh, likewise, this deal will start in 2023. It will run through 2038. So this means that the gold eyes will be in Winnipeg for quite some time now. By the time this lease is up, they'll be approaching, I believe, their 50th season, which is kind of weird to think about. But at the same time, the math adds up. It's just still kind of weird to 
think of an indie ball team that has like a 50 year history about it but yeah but regardless how the money breaks down is in years one through five it will be twenty five thousand dollars per year in years six through eight or six through ten my mistake uh, it will be fifty thousand dollars a year and for years 11 through 15 it'll be seventy five thousand dollars per year all these amounts are in Canadian dollar, not an American, uh, which means it's slightly lower in American. I don't know exactly the exchange rate, but you can look that up easily enough by going to Google. So from the adjacent city-owned lots around the stadium, the Gold Eyes retain that revenue uh, for cars parking there. Likewise, they're going to get uh, tax rebates from entertainment taxes and other forms of taxes that total $12 million over the lifetime of this lease. So... Uh, just a little under a million a year, I suppose it is. Like I said, the mayor, not thrilled about the deal. Cat's also not thrilled about the deal, but it got done, and that's really the important thing. Uh, from what I can gather, Cat's compromised on paying a little bit more than he wanted to through the taxes and also not getting the length of the deal he wants. The mayor compromised by seemingly just doing the deal. Yeah, I, I agree that it's definitely a good thing that they compromised, which was eventually some. Th- this was a deal that was going to get done, and there was no way that the Gold Eyes were going to leave Winnipeg, or there, like the the Winnipeg Gold Eyes weren't going anywhere. The, it was a lot. Of, it was just a. It, it seemed to me like a lot of PR nonsense, where where they just try to like make make their arguments through the media. So at the end of the day, this was going to get done, and it. it but it is interesting, I will say, to be honest with you. I don't let's let's say you did you thought you completely lost the deal on the compromise like like cats thought he did. That's fine. I don't know if I would be that upfront to the fans of saying instead of framing it as, hey, we're in Winnipeg till 2038. It's like, yeah, we're in Winnipeg till 2038. Oh, but I got completely screwed out of this deal. This is the worst deal ever. Like, I, I just don't understand that. Like, why is that the message you want to want to p- portray to your fans? You, you, I mean, I understand. Listen, I'm not, not going to be nearly as successful in, in business as Sam Katz is. And I, I certainly don't know as much about business. He might, this might be a terrible deal. I have no idea. But, but to me, portraying to your fans, a deal that gets you in Winnipeg through 2038 and saying, oh yeah, that we're in Winnipeg till 2038, but this deal is terrible. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's the thing you want to portray to your fans one in a time like this, where, where so many people are struggling. I, I, I just don't think it's a smart move by him. He can say all he wants privately. You can, you can talk to whoever you want privately saying how terrible this deal is. And I have no problem with that. Cause that's your, that's your, that's your, that's your right. But, to, to go out to the public and say, I got completely, I, I got totally got the short end of the stick. But, oh, yeah, but we're here through 2038. That's the part I don't really like about this. See, I get where you're coming from on it, but at the same time, I look at it more or less like he's still happy he got the lease done. He wanted a longer term lease too, and that's just something that wasn't quite able to get done, and he did make that kind of uh, more clear. But at the same time, I. I don't necessarily blame him for being so upfront with the media and saying, look, don't call, don't say I'm happy with it. It's not a great deal. It's the worst deal in North America. I, I'm not sure if I read it necessarily as he's like, ah, well, we're in here for however many more years, but look how screwed I got as the primary. I think he's just looking, I'm showing, look, 
I had to go through all of this to get this deal done. I wanted this team here so much that I'm willing to take the bad end of this deal. I, I kind of view it more through that lens, and it also tells me that it was more than actual just bluster. Uh, it seems to be, at the very least, the, they were seriously contemplating not getting a lease deal done. If that you walk away, and sure, it seems like the city council's happy, but the mayor's certainly not happy. And it's clear Katz isn't very happy with it. Like, it's obviously, it's a good thing this deal got done. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't really seem like both parties are really happy with the other one at the end of the day. Right. No, I, I, I do. I do see your point, And I definitely I definitely see where you're coming from. But still, I think that's all something you can kind of keep in house. And this is not something and going going to like the newspapers and, and the media and saying that, like, uh, like, this is the worst deal in North America to me is not how I would approach getting the lease deal done and i understand it seems like neither side got what they wanted but i mean at the end of the day that, that, that that's a compromise and event and at the end of the day the gold eyes are staying in winnipeg until 2038 which is undoubtedly a good thing but i, I just think that th there's better ways to frame this and i think that cats really came across to me in these at least in this in this sense as it, it's almost like he, he didn't he doesn't he's not really reading the room and that that's kind of the problem i have with it because there's bigger problems and i think that he just needs to focus on the positive ends of this and he can say whatever he wants privately because at the end of the day i, I don't really i don't I, it's like you think i think what you said was right in the sense that he wants he kind of wants fans to be like oh look how much you gave up thank you so much mr Katz. like i don't know i don't know if i'm if i'm a, if i'm a big fan of of going out going about it that way i mean also to be fair to him i mean at this point he's already lost at least a million dollars from this season from not being able to play in winnipeg and it certainly seems as though to this point traveling across the border is going to be in doubt for next year i mean and if he can't travel across the border i mean can you justify losing another million dollars? So, I mean, if you're staring down the barrel of a $2 million loss over two years, and then you wind up with a deal that you don't really like, I mean, I, I definitely see why you want to go, look, I'm happy I got done, but at the same time, I'm certainly not getting not getting a great deal here. Well, I think I get what you're saying about like wanting to read the room and needing to do that, and you don't want to come across this... As you know, like saying, oh, look at what, look at everything I'm doing for you. Uh, and you want to just focus on positives and whatnot. But I mean, at the same time, it's a lot easier to focus on positives when you're not the one eating the million dollar loss. No, I agree. I, 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 I understand that not everything is great for, great for Sam Katz right now. But I, I do think, you know, you, you do mention that, oh, what if they lose a million dollars next year? I don't think that there's if if that were to happen and they couldn't travel across the border, they would still have they would still try to have some sort of baseball in, in Winnipeg, even though even I don't think it's realistic to have Winnipeg playing in uh, in Fargo Moorhead again. I just don't think that that's realistic to do for two years. But I, I do think it's certainly realistic that he, he could he could lose he could lose money again. And, and, and I see what you're saying, but you know, I, I feel like I, I do feel like that's something you can keep in house. I'm not saying he's wrong to think that, 
I, I don't think he's I don't think he's wrong at all to think that he's not happy with the deal. That's not wrong to think, but I, I I'm not a fan of him saying it. Mm. I mean, yeah, the messaging is like I see. I think where we're at is just where the messaging is, and like I said, like when I read that, it's not that I took it as the like, oh wow, you really couldn't like focus on anything like the positives or anything like that. I took it more to be as oh, okay. He, he's not happy with the deal he got. And, I mean, like, that's fine. I don't think at the end of the day anyone was expecting us to have a deal where everybody was like, oh, yeah, great, we got a deal done after it got rushed to the point where this deal had to get done or wasn't going to get done. Uh, so, like, like, I'm... Like, I definitely get where you're coming from on this, but at the same time, it's, I'm, I don't personally have that big of an issue with the way it was done. Yeah, I mean, I... I I, that, I guess that's where we disagree, but... Hmm. All right, so then with that, I guess we can move on to the next bit, also American Association. Uh, this is a little bit on uh, Josh Shubb. Uh, he obviously has his podcast, Commish Talks, and I saw that there was a little seven-minute blurb that came out about the American Association partnership that would be worth uh, talking about. And so with that, uh, we'll kind of dive into some of the things he mentioned in that seven-minute blur because there was some good information here. Um, namely, he said a lot of stuff's going to kind of get finalized towards the winter meetings, and we'll know more then. Uh, but there's a couple of interesting points that got tossed out here. Uh, we've said it before, but we'll say it again. The American Association is going to remain autonomous. This is something that really I don't think was ever in too much doubt uh, once really Shab tweeted it out about a day after the partnership was done. Uh, this means they will not have their rules altered by Major League Baseball. This means they're not going to have uh, their rosters ma manipulated either. They're going to operate business as usual. He reiterated that this is mainly a cross-promotional or cross-marketing deal. It's going to uniform transactions and transfer rules, a.k.a. Uh, the deal with player contracts and things such as that. Uh, likewise, it's going to help with purchasing and partner opportunities. Uh, and then there's a couple other things of note in there, but we'll kind of jump into those in just a second. So just kind of thoughts on that first bit of what we heard uh, from uh, Josh Schaub. Yeah, I, I don't think it was anything anything too unexpected and too many things that we, we haven't heard before. It was really important. I think it's something the American Association actually did a pretty good job in playing up this year as far as listen, this is quote unquote real baseball, like in extra innings. Like we're not, we're not starting with a runner on second base. Like we're, um, we're, we're not doing all these wacky rules. And, and I think that it's, it's an important point to drive home after what people have heard about the Atlantic league and the rules. And undoubtedly, I, I think a majority of the people of people, not really a big fan of, of all the rules, maybe a rule here and there that you like. I, I remember I, I was a big fan of the three batter minimum when it was in, when it was in the Atlantic league. But I think that that was an important point for, uh, for, for Josh Schaub to drive home. Although I don't think it was, it was anything too unexpected, but I, I really think it's more from I, just this partnership in general is definitely more from a, like a branding promotional kind of thing and maybe it, it evolves more down the road but i think at this point it's that's probably what it is 
Yeah, I think that was always what the intent was, with the exception of the Atlantic League, but they've had their yeah. their other form of a partnership going for quite some time here. I am very interested to see what he means with promotional with other uh, partner leagues, so the Atlantic League and the yeah. Frontier League. I want to know what that's going to kind of entail. I hope it means kind of like that interleague tournament thing. That's what I'm really kind of pulling for. But yeah. I don't know if that's the case here. Uh, regardless, the other kind of things that I found interesting were uh, saying that the American Association will pick up uh, one, two, or more teams. I took that in the context, I mean, from the uh, soon-to-not-be-affiliated-anymore teams, uh, which is going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see because we've been talking about this before when we, I think it was like uh, the bonus episode it was, when we said, look, there's really not many teams that are in what we would call American Association territory. And then he mm-hmm. immediately followed it up by saying, expanding their footprint which means they're willing to go a little bit out there so does that mean they're willing to go into say florida is that mean saying they're willing to go into like a kentucky is that willing to go into like a tennessee uh where is that expanded footprint and that's something of very of interest to me it could be somewhere as far as california something like that yeah i i think that's you know, I, I don't want to put anything past the American Association as far as expansion, because in, in that bonus episode, you and I talked about, well, that like there's so many of these teams are Frontier League. You could you could call, quote unquote, Frontier League territory or Frontier slash Atlantic League territory. But there was, really wasn't much for an American Association that you would consider the typical American Association market. That being said, the American Association has never been, been, been a league that's afraid to expand their footprint. I mean, goodness, we have a team in Canada. We or we had a team in we have a team in Canada, and we used to have a team. I guess used to have a team in Texas now. Well, but, still do. Well, we still have teams. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, we, we they still have teams in Texas. So I don't think there's another league really in, in America for for independent league baseball that has as big of a uh, as big of a geological or geographical uh footprint i should say uh, that the the american association does so i hesitate to put anything past them because there's nothing that's in stopping them from from expanding more and i think that that's really kind of the wild card here and what's really interesting to think about like and you mentioned it, how far is uh, Josh Schaub willing to expand out with a lot of these teams, specifically uh, in Florida or on, on the on sort of on the eastern end of the U.S., where the American Association doesn't really have a market at this point? I think that's going to be something to watch, and I wish I could say that I, I could expect it, but I really don't know what what their intentions are as far as how far they're willing to expand i mean they've expanded plenty already i don't know how much how much further they're willing to go more towards the east coast but i think that's that's something we'll just we'll just have to wait and see and hopefully i mean now that the election's all but done it's multiple multiple people i mean baseball america mike ashmore saying hey Nothing's going to come till after the election. And I think that the specification of the election means that we're not too far off. And, and I know Mike Ashmore mentioned, he's like, listen, the, the Atlantic League needs to get their schedule out. Because, but, I mean, that, last season, for the 2020 season that didn't happen, they released their schedule back in October. And I think that, uh, that, that 
the Atlantic League definitely needs to get their schedule out. And of course, to do that, you need to know what markets what markets are in and what markets are out. And so I, I think that's something we'll we'll really get more clarity on over the next few weeks. And it's it's gonna be really interesting to see which which indie leagues pick try to try to go for which markets that get cut. It, it's gonna be a wild I'm gonna say months because I really do think that this is not too far uh, off the horizon. I, I really think that this is going to be a wild month in independent league baseball. Maybe 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 it's December more than more than November, but I, I really do think that there's a good chance it's November. Yeah, I think over the next six weeks we're gonna get a lot of answers to all those questions, such as the scheduling, what the team rosters in each of these leagues look like, what these leagues are going to look like just rules-wise and just makeup-wise over the next uh, six weeks, I think is when we're really going to see it. As far as expansion in the uh, American Association goes, I will say I think the Pioneer League could be something they look at. Now, I don't know what the status is of each of these stadiums. I'm not sure if any of them would be up to snuff for an American Association team. But from reading some of these articles, it seems like the Pioneer League's just kind of be kind of left out to dry. They're not going to get any subsidies. They're not going to get transformed into a college winning bat league. I saw something saying that maybe they would try to be an independent league with a hard cap on age for players. But apparently that got pushed back at Major League Baseball offices. So if they were to do that, they would be on their own. Uh, I don't really know what's going to wind up happening with that league, but there's certainly some possibility for scooping stuff up. I would say if I'm the American Association, the Southeast is where I'm looking at. I think there's markets there that could possibly work. I think Florida, a place where they did put a team in Pensacola before the, uh, what's the Blue Wahoos, I think it is. Yeah, the Blue Wahoos. Yeah, before they were what a there. great name. I know, they was a good name. Plus, their ballpark's really nice looking. Yeah, really I, nice. that, that is just, go, go Pensacola Blue Wahoos. <laughs> but I think you could see Florida. I think you could see Alabama. I think you could see Mississippi, maybe. I think Louisiana may not be off the table. I think you could see perhaps something in Oklahoma. I think you could see really that whole kind of Sunbelt region as an area of expansion for them. I, I wouldn't be surprised in that at all, but I think also it does depend a lot on what everybody else is doing. I know, <clears throat> I know we're going to talk a little bit about an MILB update fairly soon, and obviously that's a whole situation that needs to be kind of panned out before anything can really be settled. And I know some people in MILB have said, look, uh, normally I have a couple of things booked. My 2021 schedule will be coming along pretty nicely by now, but I currently have nothing on the slate. And so obviously it isn't just a problem with the Atlantic League and not getting their schedules out. It's clearly a problem across the board about not getting the schedules out. And uh, right. Obviously, that's going to be something that needs to be resolved, and I don't think we're going to see uh, any big news in regards to expansion until we know exactly when we're going to get schedules out, when we know exactly which teams are going to be affiliated, which ones aren't. And I think you're right to say that over the next four to six weeks, it really is going to wind up being a, a really decisive period for independent league ball and really minor league ball in general, because we're going to know who's in, who's out. And it's been reported numerous times over that there's about 130 owners that believe that their teams aren't going to get cut. So there's going to be at least 10 of them that come as a shock that they're going to be cut. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, the, I think that's that, that's definitely true, especially, I mean, you met 130 owners who think their teams aren't going to get cut. Well, something something doesn't really add up there. So I think that's that's going to that's going to be interesting to see and you really hope that um, that these markets don't lose baseball entirely. Again, I, I have to I have to make the point. Staten Island, Rick White if you're listening, no Staten Island. Staten Island bad. <laughs> no, it doesn't know. Just please don't. I'm just saying when Staten Island happens, I'm looking forward to you coming on this show and talking about it. I mean, if if you, if you want like if you want to take New Britain and then be like two times like like two times worse than New Britain, there's Staten Island. So what if we go with Staten Island and Pawtucket? I mean, Pawtucket, Pawtucket. At least there's like a market there. I mean, Staten Island. When you draw like twenty, when you draw twenty five hundred fans for an All Star game, when like when Bernie Williams is there and uh, Bucky Dent is there and like you have all these Yankee legends and you have like Andy and then you have like Andy Chavez coaching. You have great prospects. I mean, it was really a great night when I was there. I had a, I had an absolute blast at the New York Penn League All Star Game. But when you put when you try to put all that together, and what's that good for? Twenty five hundred fans. And then like on a normal like week night, you're drawing like like probably under a thousand. Like I don't, I don't know how that's I don't know how that's not a summer collegiate market. There's I just can't see how that how any independent league team would be looking at. Staten Island is an attractive option. Fair enough. I like I said, I agree with you on Staten Island. So, uh, with that, I guess we could kind of go to really the last major news drop of the week. Uh, it may seem like it's a quicker week than usual, but uh, there, it's not that there's not a lot of news. It's just that it's easy to go through fairly quickly. I'd say that, and right. also. We do have a fun announcement coming up at the end of the show. Actually, two of them. Uh, so you're, you're going to want to stick all the way through for that. But our last bit of news does revolve around the MILB update. Uh, we're going to start by the, uh, the first bit, and then we will move on to uh, the facility requirements in just a moment. Uh, but the, fun, the more, I guess, relevant news is we have the A-ball situation uh, supposedly finalized. It's not official, but supposedly this is how it's going to wind up shaking out. And this does involve some independent league teams. So we're going to still have a low A and a high A. Low A will consist of the California League, which will have eight teams. The Florida State League, which will consist of 10 teams. And the Sally League, which will consist of 12 teams. High A will be made up of the Midwest League. No number list for teams there. The Northwest League, which will supposedly go to six teams. The Carolina League, again, no note if things are going to be cut or added there. And then the new Mid-Atlantic League, uh, again, no note if there will be teams cut or added there. Uh, likewise, uh, the Fresno team will go from AAA level to a low A level, so they will join the California League. I'm sure their fans are thrilled about that. I'm sure their ownership's thrilled about that. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, even the city, I'm not sure. I know that was a team that 
uh, our guest last week, David Martin, was involved with when they were founded. I'm not sure if the city helped build that stadium, but if they did, I imagine they're really thrilled about this. Yeah, I'm um, sure. I'm sure they are just ecstatic. Exactly. I mean, that's a, just such a drop off there. Um, but then we have San Antonio that will go from AAA to AA. But I believe they were a AA team for quite some time anyway. Uh, so that's not really that big of a deal. Uh, and then the Wichita, which just built a brand new stadium and chased the old Wichita wing nuts of the American Association out of town as a result of that uh, stadium. Uh, they will go from AAA to AA. So they just spent a lot of money on a very nice ballpark. They will now be a AA ballpark. Uh, again, I'm sure they're very happy about that. Uh, likewise, there will be reorganization. So... What's supposedly going to happen is, at least if I read this article correctly, St. Paul, Sugarland, and Jacksonville will all be AAA teams. Yeah. And then St. Paul will go to Minnesota, Sugarland will go to Houston, Jacksonville will go to to Miami. Brooklyn, unsurprisingly, will go from A-ball to double-A-ball and join the Eastern League. And then there was some New York Penn news where supposedly some teams are exploring a move to either the Atlantic League or the Frontier League, but that likely wouldn't be done until 2022. And like I said a little bit ago, the Pioneer League has essentially been left out to dry, seeing as they're not really given any other pathway to existence. And when they came up with an idea, it was largely shut down. So that's what Pioneer League. I know, really. They, they want to get involved in the fun. And then they're just like, no. Exactly. It's like, can we still exist? Mm, we rather you didn't. I mean, you can, but we're going to make it kind of impossible for you to. Uh, but anyway, I, I think that uh, as far as, I guess, a good, a good place to start here would be just like the structure of uh, low A and high A ball in general. And it's important to it's important to note that some people thought of low A before as like short season A. Obviously, that will not exist anymore. Uh, there will not, there will no longer be um, short season ball anywhere other than the spring training sites. And I think it's it's interesting because now now you really see for the new Mid Atlantic League in high A. I think and and Nick, t- t- tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that that kind of screams Somerset to me, was- and I think. And I think that that's definitely a realistic spot, especially especially for the Yankees. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not sure exactly what the well. I mean, do, do they play at the spring training site for Tampa? I assume so they did. I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that um, it, it'll be interesting to see how. Um, I guess that that could become a, a, a low A team, which could make some sense, uh, become the Yankees low A team. Uh, and then I guess I'm not sure what would happen to um, uh, Charleston. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But any, they'll probably just switch affiliations or something. But I think now you really see a, uh, a potential for Trenton and Somerset to stay uh, to, to both become Yankee affiliates uh, possibly. And I think that, um, uh, and I think the mid Atlantic league, I think, the fact that it's high A ball, I think that really gives a path for for Somerset. Uh, and now, for, and for the other part, I think that as far as St. Paul, uh, well, Sugarland to get to get Sugarland out of the way, it's like the worst kept secret that they're becoming an Astros affiliate. Like it, it's been obvious for uh, for for a while now, and I think that them becoming a Triple A, I mean, it's an it's a, it's a great ballpark down there. I think it probably seats a little bit less than you'd like for a triple A ballpark, but I do, 
but the location is is I definitely ideal. I mean the ball the ballpark's nice, the surrounding area is nice. It's an easy route. It's an easy route to, for players to go rehab in Sugarland. I think it makes a lot of sense. Although um, it, the the one thing that I think you mentioned San Antonio. Uh, it's probably not really a big deal for them to just go back to the Texas League uh, where, where they've been before. But as far as uh, as far as as Fresno, I, I'm sure I think you mentioned it. Mm. I'm sure that they are just ecstatic uh, to um, to be going to uh, to be going down to the uh, to to low A, especially in a, in a seat. And and I, I guess I'll have to to look this up right now. How many seats that ballpark fits? But that um that that could be a that could be a big problem for uh the owners of that of that ballpark to try and fit to try and fit so many uh well to try and even come close to filling up the uh the, their stadium with a low a team now i think that that's tough for them all right yeah so 10 uh 10,650 is the capacity there and so that's going to be a for, single a team yeah that is rough <laughs> I mean, they're not going to meet capacity there. There's no way they can meet capacity. Yeah, I mean that is. I mean, the only good news in that thing on, on that part on that front is maybe if everything's like limited capacity to start next year, I guess Fresno is going to blow everybody out of the water for uh, for for attendance because like 25 percent is I don't know whatever like 2500 or whatever. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Probably, it's probably a lot better than a lot of than most other minor league parks but yeah that, that, that's 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 pretty tough for them but I, I think that you definitely see and i think everything that that article mentioned too and everything you mentioned is definitely a realistic possibility and more and more by the day it looks like saint paul is um is, is going to be moving on as well yeah i i'll start from the beginning there and go yeah i, I definitely thought somerset to that mid-atlantic too i'm not sure if it's because i saw atlantic and then like put the connection in my head there but yeah, I could see that too. Uh, obviously, there there is a desire, I think, to be affiliated with the Yankees, and if you could, even if it does mean dropping the the quality of talent down, I still definitely could see that happening. Uh, that's more of a wait and see, though. In my mind, I think ideally they would like to be a double A team. I could even mm. see possibly Trenton goes to that new Mid Atlantic, and then Somerset yeah, that's jumps possible. into certainly possible as well. Yeah, and then then Somerset would join the Eastern League there. I think that may be more in the Yankees' wheelhouse, something they'd want to do, just because you have the better field in Somerset. And if you wanted to send someone on a rehab trip, uh, it's a lot better to send them to A than it is to send them to, what would it be, a high A? Uh, yeah, I agree. If, yeah, plus, uh, as we got from Josh Schaub, who I've, this is one part I did neglect to mention here, and I do, I am sorry about that. He expects that the, ta- the talent level in independent league ball will be higher next year because it's going to be mostly 27 and up players that will be getting cut from these AAA teams because it's going to be okay. mostly 24 and older players that will be in AAA. And you'll have like your 22 year olds in AA. So I do wonder yeah, how that will play into rehab assignments too if you want, like. I don't know, Aaron Judge rehabbing against some, like, 22-year-old kid. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I guess it would help to come back in the game speed, but even still, uh, I do wonder how much that plays into things. But regardless of that, I definitely could see Somerset jumping over, and now it does seem like the path gets a lot clearer there. Uh, Fresno, they definitely cannot be happy about going 
down to from the highest level of affiliated ball to seemingly the lowest level of affiliated ball. I definitely could understand why they'd be very upset about that. Now, I'm not sure if they are or aren't, but I think it is a, a very fair uh, assumption to say that they are less than pleased about this. Uh, mm. I imagine that the the team is less than pleased. I imagine the city is less than pleased. I imagine just about everyone involved in being moved down that far in the uh, chain is really, yeah. really not happy about that. Now, um, I, I think that I, I think that it's important. It's important to mention that there was there was no doubt about that there had to be some sort of change with the Fresno Grizzlies just because having having the Nationals AAA affiliate in in um in fresno in fresno you know it's one of the best examples of why the minor leagues need to be restructured i've been i've been a big fan of kind of shuffling around the league shuffling around the affiliates but not cutting teams and i think that it fresno being the nationals affiliate is the best example of why that needed to be done and so i i don't think there's any doubt that changes needed to be made there but i think that and I don't think I don't think switching their affiliate would really uh, I don't think that would really matter too much to the fans or uh, or, or or the city or, or the the front office there. I don't think that would matter too much to them. But I think that it's definitely it's definitely tough to just move them from move it, and now you have a ten you know you have a ten thousand uh, seat ballpark becoming a single a ballpark that, that's that's going to be tough for them it's really it's really going to be t- tough for them the one other thing i did want to mention though is uh as a as a minor league baseball fan who lives in new jersey the one thing if there, you can take any good from the, of this whole uh uh minor league restructuring uh high a ball is always something that i really wanted to get into because that's where you see so many so many top prospects that i'm a, i'm a big fan of you see them in a high a ball and i think that having um having them come further up the east coast instead of being in the carolinas for me at least i i i, I do like that mm, yeah no i do like that it's going to be a little bit more uh spread out as to where you're going to see each of these it's still just uh, i'm still just hung up on like fresno and wichita really that really you couldn't just have fresno affiliate with like oakland or something like, yeah. like, and then just leave them in that league or just bump them to double A even. Like, there really is no other... Like, I understand they're in California, so putting them in the California league seems like a natural fit. But just that major of a drop-off, uh, it just seems ridiculous to me. But even still, yeah. and I think we're really underselling how much it must suck to be Wichita. I mean, you green light this big stadium. It's costing tens of millions of dollars to build. And you don't even get one year where you're a triple A f- team there. You know, you're, you're off the bat a double A. Like that just, it must burn you to know that you spent all that money on a double A ballpark. I feel like if you knew it would have been double A, you would have spent less money on it or you would have greenlit less things on it. There just would have been things that would have been done differently. And I yeah. mean, like I understand just saying, oh, well, that's just buyer's remorse on it. But it's, it's a little bit different from that. It's, it's like, well, I didn't even get to have anything that I paid for. The circumstances changed so close to construction that uh, it feels like you're cheated. You know. I agree. Now, I a hundred, I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying, and that's something that, um, 
that's something that that's really that's really gonna suck for them. Especially, I mean, they, they were supposed to start in. They were supposed to start this. I mean, let's say COVID wasn't a thing. They were going to start in 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. They were supposed to start this year as a yeah, Marlins affiliate. Yeah, that, that is rough. Which I do find it funny that no one's picked up New Orleans. You know? I mean, I, I don't know the specifics on the lease of the ballpark, but yeah, would be wouldn't it be funny if that was where uh, Shop was talking about expanding our footprint? You know, I could kind of see that. I, I don't know the specifics on the uh, on the lease uh, and everything. On the ballpark. Yeah, like I'm it's not sure. Not, it does make sense. I mean, like it would be. I mean, you just get rid of one of the longest bus rides down to Grand Prairie. And you go, you know what we need? An equally as long and more cumbersome bus ride yeah. to New Orleans. Like, well, oh, uh, the tra- the travel's never fun in the American Association. And to be honest with you, I don't really think that's going to change. Well, yeah, it was never going to change. But even still, I just imagine. The only upside, though, is I imagine it's a lot more fun to be in New Orleans than it is to be in Grand Prairie. That That is one. That's 1,000% true. Yeah. All right, and so we'll move you on. Know, to, at least there's things to do in New Orleans. Exactly, there's a lot of things to do in New Orleans. Uh, but yeah. but we'll move on to the second piece of news. If you're interested in hearing our thoughts on some teams that could go from uh, affiliated ball to unaffiliated ball, be sure to check out the bonus episode from not last week but the week prior to that. Uh, it's about 30 or so minutes long. It's worth a listen to if you want to hear what teams we think can make a jump or not. That said, we'll go on to just some facility requirements. These also came out in the beginning of the week or end of last week. Uh, these are MLB released. <clears throat> There's more requirements that are expected to come later on. But as of right now, these things are expected uh, that, yeah, every no club, that every club must have in, uh, in their stadium. To be considered for affiliation, uh, they're very, they're pretty easy things. Most modern ballparks have them. Uh, this really is just going to weed out a lot of your ballparks that were built uh, really before the '80s, I would say. So uh, both clubhouses must have at least 1,000 square feet. They have to have separate spaces. So I read that as locker rooms uh, for female staff from male staff. Uh, there also has to be some sort of a nutrition area or a nutrition bar, a food prep area, you know, a dedicated space for food. Uh, then a better on the field lighting that could just be LED stanchion lights. So that's really not too much uh, of a difficulty there. Uh, and then a better training space. So read that as weight rooms and two plus pitching and batting tunnels. So it's not really that hard to meet these requirements, uh, but it will weed out some of the lesser ballparks, I gather. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that one one thing's for certain. I think it's definitely going to help out. It's definitely going to improve the careers and lives of some minor leaguers, uh, maybe who aren't the guys who just rocket through the minors like your Juan Sotos and and guys like that. So I, I think they, they they will definitely cost money, and I think that's going to be the thing that uh, weeds, like you mentioned, it weeds out a lot of the a lot of the teams that would never be able to meet this these uh, these requirements. In a million years, but I do think that, uh, I mean, money aside, these uh, these requirements are are good, and I think that they'll they'll definitely make playing in the minors less of an like a grind that you just got to pay your dues. I think that's that's I never really thought that that was the right way to think about minor league baseball in general, and and I think that the, these improvements are good, money aside. But at the end of the day, 
you can't put money aside. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, what what ballparks really fit this criteria. And I think that that's what you'll see. That that'll be the justification for letting uh, letting markets go. I think there's uh, no doubt about it. I think that you'll definitely see that th- the the this is this is the MLB's excuse. To be like, oh, sorry, you didn't, you didn't. We'd love to keep you, but we, you don't meet all these requirements. So have fun in summer collegiate ball, Staten Island. Yeah, I think this also kind of can tell them what markets are going to be more receptive to, you know, negotiating with. I'm just going to call it Major League Baseball now because they're essentially the same entity at this point. Uh, this is going to tell us a lot about. Okay, is say Brooklyn willing to play ball? Is say. Staten Island willing to play ball? Is Myrtle Beach willing to play ball? Is Harrisburg willing to play ball? You know, because a lot of these requirements are not things teams are taking with them. I suppose weight rooms you could take with you, but I mean, you're not taking an LED stanchion light with you if you bang up shop. You're not really taking a whole separate space. I mean, how are you going to take a locker room with you? How are you going to take additional space in a clubhouse with you? Uh, These seem like a lot of things that whoever owns the stadium is going to have to do and in a lot of cases it's the municipalities that own them the towns so it's going to tell you which towns are willing to kind of acquiesce and which ones are going to put up some resistance and say look no we don't want to have to do these things now granted again these are just the beginnings and there's a lot of ballparks out there that are unaffiliated that meet these requirements already so i do wonder if we're going to see more teams kind of flock to that affiliated route or not with that said, though, I do want to kind of circle back around just to touch on St. Paul a little bit. I realize I, I may not have touched on them all too much. And I know a lot of people are going, well, you've been saying for the past however many months that St. Paul's not going to be affiliated. Don't worry about St. Paul's not going to be affiliated. They said they don't want to be affiliated. Uh, it's in their DNA, yada, yada, yada. Um, I would say that, but then I did a little bit of research on it because I was like, okay, seemingly more and more likely that St. Paul will actually become affiliated. And I was wondering where that was coming from. So I found a couple of articles, uh, one that was from a while back, like I believe June and July, that said Mike Vec was not opposed. Like Vec himself had said this, the owner of the Saints had said this, or or rather one of the co-owners of the Saints had said this, uh, that they're not opposed to going affiliated. It just needs to be the right team and that he has good relationship with the uh, the president of the Twins. So that could definitely be it. It makes a lot of sense there and definitely would see why St. Paul would want their AAA team to be, what, 20 minutes away? That's certainly a huge plus, and that's certainly an extremely nice ballpark, one that is, I, I think it's easy to say, the best ballpark in independent league baseball, and I don't think it's particularly close either. Um so there's certainly that and then i also saw another figure or another article rather from september that said the saints are expected to take a seven-figure loss uh i believe that came from the team president and so Mm. that can that basically means they're going to eat a million dollar loss in 2020 and that's about the same as winnipeg as i mentioned earlier and if you're going to lose a million dollars this year to be able to shed a lot of expenses by being affiliated it's got to be tempting if you're the owner of that team that just had a million dollars fly out of your pocket. Yep, hundred uh, hundred percent. I think that I, if that um, 
from from the uh, from that call owner, the quote, I, I think that saying, you know, it, we were open to become affiliated just with the right team, and we have a good relationship with the Twins president. I mean, could it be more obvious at this point? And, and I think that you, you could definitely make the argument before pre-pandemic of we like being independent. We like there's because uh, there's certainly certain advantages. Of of being of being independent as opposed to being affiliated, no doubt about that. And St. Paul's the perfect example of a team that reaps a lot of those benefits. But when you lose so, as much money as really all independent league teams did, and uh, and and specifically St. Paul, uh, we know as well. I think that, it, like you mentioned, you, I think you said it perfectly. It's going to be. It's hard to turn down that offer of "Hey, we'll pay for your players" uh, when you're already in like a seven-figure hole. I think that that's really the only way to describe it. Exactly. I mean, we don't know when they're going to be able to go back to full capacity. I mean, if you've had this horrible loss this year, but it looked like okay, we'll be able to start. You know, end of May, beginning of June again, and everything will go back to the way it should be. We'll get our. 50 dates in we'll just have to schedule a couple of extra events at the ballpark but we can make up that plus you figure a lot of people are going to be saying oh okay well i want to go out to the ballpark i want to do a lot of things and the appetite will be there then you can say okay fine it'll take us a couple years to dig us out of the hole but you know it's doable we can maintain that kind of independent spirit that's kind of been our thing for the past however many years and uh but when you doesn't have an end in sight and you had the COVID hit, you're cutting costs, not just this year, but every year going forward. And uh, I just, I think at this point, it does make a lot of sense in that front. Plus, it would make sense why you would have a team in Sioux Falls that would then be willing to lean a bit heavier into that kind of St. Paul shtick. Because if you have people that were kind of, I guess, in between on the two, because clearly it's you're able to make the drive from St. Paul to... Uh, to Sioux Falls, as we saw this year, with uh, some of the teams are with them bunking with them for a little bit there, and you had St. Paul fans drive out there on the weekends. If you're a casual fan, you're in between. It's the same distance either way. Yeah, there's a case of going. Oh well, there's a high quality level of baseball right there, but it's not going to be the same experience. Maybe you could try and siphon some of those fans off. I'm right. just, you know, it it seems like that could be a reason why they're leaning into it. Or it could just be, look, it worked for them. Why don't we try and copy it, see if we can't duplicate it and get more people in. Uh, but either way, it does seem like that's something that's a lot more on the table than we previously had expected. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely agree with that. Yep. All right. So with that, I think we, ju- we covered just about everything for this week. I do want to just plug a couple of things real quick here. The first is we have another interview next week. As you can tell, we didn't have one this week. Uh, partially on me for not getting on it, but also partially, I think, kind of spacing them out, going interview every other week. It's kind of nice. It keeps them fresher. And also it lets us pick kind of uh, pick up on news that may have fell through the cracks when we have to cut things for, you know, an hour long or half hour long interview. Uh, that said, mm-hmm. our interview guest for next week will be the president of the High Point Rockers, Pete Fish. Obviously, his name came up uh, last week during our interview with uh, Dave Martin. So we managed to uh, secure 
the fish. We got him on the line, and uh, we're going to be talking to him next week. So if you want us to uh, mention anything in particular or you have questions about what the ballpark's going to look like next year, upcoming events at the ballpark, whatever it may be, uh, be sure to submit those to us uh, either through our email or on the social media channels. Uh, likewise, another thing that's coming up down the pike, uh, you're going to see our annual Q&A is going to return. Uh, normally we did that, I say normally, like it's been an ongoing tradition, it was done once. Uh, normally that is done at the beginning of December, this time we're going to move it to the end of December. So we're going to record that Q&A, I have it marked down for December 23rd, simply because uh, our usual recording day is a Friday and Christmas falls on a Friday this year, and I don't think either one of us really want to want to record on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to record that on December 23rd. It will come out on December 26th. So if you have questions for us to answer about either the show, either one of us individually, I suppose, uh, Will's, uh, Will's Instagram page, uh, how I run the show itself, or if you have questions pertaining to Independent League Baseball, be sure to submit those or write them down, and we will answer them all on the Q&A episode. That episode, like I said, is, and like always, is just the Q&A answer. So the more questions we get, the longer the show is. If we get three questions, the show will probably be like nine minutes long. If we have 30 questions, it'll probably be like an hour and a half long. So the more questions, the better. Be sure to get those in there. And if you have questions that require substantial digging, it would be appreciated if you submitted them sooner than later, because obviously it's going to take a lot more time. If you're asking something simple as like, uh, what teams do you think will make up the Atlantic League next year? That's an easier question to answer than what do you think is going to the, what do you think the MLB Cutlass is going to look like? Which also, if you ask that, we're probably gonna know by the time that. Uh, yeah, we'll know by that. We time. should hopefully. If not, then there's really gonna be a lot of questions there. And yeah. If you're asking something that Baseball America can't get, odds are we're not getting it either. So. Uh, <laughs> so just keep that in mind when you're asking questions. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm. I'm just, uh, so definitely submit your questions. I am absolutely pumped for the for the interview. Uh, uh, with, with Pete Fish for, for next week's episode. I, I think that, I mean, interviewing two essentially team presidents is, is really, really exciting stuff. I know, uh, as we were, I know we interviewed, uh, David Martin, uh, last week as a guy who's trying to get his franchise off the ground. And now we're going to be interviewing Pete Fish, who runs a organization who just recently got off the ground. So I, I think it's, I think it's a nice transition and, and I'm really, really excited for it. Absolutely. So with that said, so if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod or on Instagram at ALPB underscore news or IndieBallReport. Uh, both of those are good. Those are great places to submit questions for either the interview or for the Q&A episode. Be sure to do so on any of those platforms. Again, you can also email us questions at IndieBallReport at gmail.com. You can also find all of this contact information as well as episodes, show notes, and much more on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Uh, Likewise, you can follow the podcast 
on just about any platform you get podcasts. TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music. Really, like I said, anywhere there are podcasts, we are there. That said, uh, what else do we have left to add, if anything? Um, I would just, as a Red Sox fan, I would just like to welcome Alex Cora back to the team. I knew, I knew that was coming. Uh, I'm pretty much good on everything. I don't really have much else left to add. So with that said, nothing else left to add. Until next time, don't forget to play ball.